Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Come on. Come on. Bible five me. There we go. Tonight's the night. It's going down. It's going timber, I heard. Is that what the youth... That's what you were saying. Dad, abort mission. It's going timber, I heard. So good. Get your kids. Get your young people. High, junior high, high school, college. Young, if, if you're a young adult under the age of 24 and you're too cool for, like, youth group and Generation Church and Sunday nights, you definitely need to go there because you are not that cool. And you definitely need to serve and be a part of what God's doing. I think God's about to just unleash something. And uh, my wife was on fire, man. Katniss Everdeen just catching fire. So I'm just being relevant, or not really. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty old. All my references are old. I did hurt my back, speaking of getting old over Christmas break. So if if you think I'm trying to walk tough, if this is your first Sunday here, it's just a little tight in the back. It's a little... That guy's like walking like he's like a gangster. No, no. Born and raised in Sonoma, California. Amen. Yuppie Town, California. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the biggest, what's the number one? What's God's number one, like, thing that he wants from you? Like, number one. Like, if this is a revelation of Jesus, 66 books right here, revelation of Scripture, revelation of Jesus, what would be number one? It would be faith. It would be faith. Every book is a revelation of here's the word. All you need to do is believe it. Our job, our work is to believe God. That's what you, right now, what you need to be like. Sure, everything else is amazing. That's awesome. Holiness, um, worship, praise. Um, you guys are engaged, sexual purity, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, yes, all of the things, all of the things, Dad, you're welcome. All of the things are important. <laughs> He's not laughing. All right. We just lost another member. But, hey, every one we lose, two more come. It's okay. <laughs> Anytime I ever point someone out, they leave. But, anyways, God's good. He's building his church. He's building his church. Faith. Faith. My job is to believe God. My job is to believe God. My work is to believe God. Is to, is to, is, and it's work. Go after believing. Faith cometh by hearing. And I want to talk about that this morning, kind of, sort of. Close enough to hear him. It, proximity with him to hear him. Amen? That's what we're talking about. I want to start the new year off. By doing something I've never done. Amen? It's preaching without my shirt off. No, I'm just joking. I, I want to preach and end. It's not that dramatic. I want to end one series and begin another one. I want to I wanna end. Uh, you might not have known this. I don't even know if we had a graphic for it. But uh, the last series, in case you didn't know, was Jesus for Today. Or Jesus Every Day. And it was a revelation of the days are a gift from God. Destiny is divided into days. Amen? And so I do my fingers a lot. I'm not, if I accidentally flip you off or something happens, I'm just moving my fingers. Amen. Um, <laughs> it's difficult because starting the new year, um, there's so much in my heart. And uh, our church is called to simply, people ask me about church. What's church about? Church is about worshiping God. That's that we are, we are gathered literally to worship God. That, that's like our number one thing. If you can't worship God and you're sitting next to somebody, you might need to move. That's okay. So that you can get clear and you can worship God. And then we bring people in to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our job is to, is to come together, be a part of a local church, worship God, and then invite people into that. Amen? That's our job. In 2024, there's a new season. There's a new season of faith. How many of you deal with imposter syndrome, I guess is what they call it? How many of you feel like frauds oftentimes? 
How many of you sinned real bad during New Year's? And so you, you're raising your hands this morning. You're like, I'm a fraud. The, 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 the only antidote for that is faith. And God wants to heal that today so that you can serve him according to his word and his righteousness and what he has not based on your righteousness. Even though God wants to make you righteous, it comes through Christ. Amen? I can do all things through Christ. I love your boots, Jamie. Did you get those? Those, those new boots? Okay. Old boots. God wants to take old boots and make them new. Amen? All right. Let's get to the word. Let's end one series and let's begin another series. All right. I might have watched Dark Knight during Christmas, so I feel like I have this voice. I'm just joking. Preaching this morning, and here we are, second service. For me, both services are not both services. For me, I kind of start my day here at the church at 730 and then kind of end my day around 3 eating pizza. Amen? And it's more of a journey. And so first service I say certain things to start the service. Second service, I'm, I'm, I can't pretend that first service didn't happen. So here I am having second service. And second service is breaking this imposter thing that is on people by bringing even the same word that I laid out that God gave me, because I'm supposed to do that, but believing that God's going to give you faith today to be able to serve him in fresh identity and fresh confidence and, and less thinking about you and more thinking about him. Amen? And so I want to preach this morning out of Psalms 23. Let's go to Psalms 23. I want to invite uh, everyone into, into prayer and fasting over the next 21 days. Uh, I'll be fasting next week. Isaac, I thought you're not supposed to tell people you're fasting. No, the Bible is kind of like don't walk around as if like, you're like a big deal fasting, okay? Don't bring attention to it. We'll be fasting next week. I highly recommend if you've never done 24 hours of fasting food, Everything is now social media fast and all those things. That's fine. But biblically, like, food will rock you. Eliminate food, and basically you want to die. And so you're like, Jesus, it works every single time. It'll take care of about 99 of your problems. Entertainment, um, overeating, uh, sugar, uh, life, selfishness, all of it. Fast, fast 24 hours. Uh, fast three days. I highly recommend a three-day fast, liquid fast. Um, and uh, or or a week or 21 days, um, I think it will kill you, and that's that might be what you need. Amen. God bless you. Konnichiwa, as they say in Japan. Amen. All right. Um, so this is how we start the year. Why? Because it's it's biblical. Because it isn't just New Year's Eve, and then on New Year's Day we start a new season. Yes. But it's actually the best time because God is a God of firsts. He's a God of firsts. Um, tithe is the first tenth. Sunday is the first day of the week. We talk about it all the time. Awaken the dawn is the first part of your day. Amen. And so this is the first part of the year. It's, it's, it's practical. So many times I've tried to be more spiritual than this. I'm like, I'm not going to go and do what every church does and pray and fast for the first 21 days. I'm going to do it in June because June is like warm and it's like amazing. And then June comes and you're like, well, this is a horrible time to fast. I want a barbecue. So anyways, it's January is just a great reset. Amen. All right. From one Christian to another, I just wanted to, we just want to help you out. Um, so jump on the, jump on the fasting train and. And pray with us. It also helps to do things together. And uh, we've got a one-year Bible reading plan. I'll be doing that. I'll probably be done next month. But anyways, take the year. <laughs> take the year if you need it. Amen. No. Um, it's just an awesome um, mixture of Old Testament and New Testament. Let's get to the Word of God this morning. Psalms 23. One of the greatest uh, portions of Scripture um, ever written by our beloved David. Um, really at the end of his life. Um, he's a mature, old king. And he's not writing this right after. Some of us, you know, we read this, and we're like, he probably got right into the palace, and he was having the most amazing day. And uh, the, many theologians believe that this is during Ab Absalom, literally his own son, uh, betraying him. And this is David's words. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. It's amazing when you read scripture and we get sarcastic and, you know, maybe, maybe too much. I don't know. But, you know, the Bible is never, God, you just never see God show up and say, you can do it. Sherry, you got this. It's always, will you believe me that I got this? God's, God's never like, come on, Moses. That beard is awesome. They'll listen to you. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You're amazing. You're awesome. Job, I'm going to put some boils on you, buddy. But you got it. It's never you got it. It's I got it, says the Lord. Will you trust me and believe me? God's got it. David is writing a revelation about God. And yea, though I walk through the valley of Iran, and you start to come from me, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I want to, I want to, um, this is really the, the portion of scripture that I, I wrote the entire series on. Is, is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, it's very intense theology, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I want, I want to preach this morning on green pastures, amen? Yeah. We're going to kick off our year on, on what green pastures means. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this service, for this moment in time where we can receive your word. Lord, we know that your word gives us faith, and faith is really the sum total of what we need. The righteous will live by faith. You, you, you walked around 2,000 years ago healing sick people, asking them what they want, asking them if they, if they have faith, and encouraging people to have faith. And the response would be, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Lord, like that man cried many years ago, we, we ask you, Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. Let fresh faith come into this room. Let, let fresh faith be birthed. Let fresh faith will come and encourage every young person, every old person, every in-between, every highs and lows of valleys or mountaintops. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, God, we, we just pray for fresh faith to fill this room. And let every lie be broken, every doubt be healed, every insecurity be removed. Lord, we pray, come into this room and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I was uh, reading this, and um, David is, is, is really writing at the end of his life about his, his first job. And so I was thinking about my first job. What's your first job? Thinking about um, back, back when uh, young people worked because we needed money, amen? We didn't have this thing called, I think they called it an allowance or something like that. Like, I, you live in my house, and I give you money or something for doing what is required to make the home work and be a part of my flesh and blood, I guess. You want money for that? You get to enjoy the roof over your head, amen? And so I, I was trying to think, and I, I remember working, well, I was working at the paint store. I thought the paint store was my first job, a little corner, Benjamin Moore paint store in Sonoma, uh, right off Sonoma Highway. And I was like, no, 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 no. My first job, I, was work, I worked at a horse ranch. And I got on my little BMX bike, we lived off of Main Street. I biked down before Sonoma. Napa was really known for wines. They were uh, a cow country, a lot of cow cheese. And, and uh, so I, I got my first job. I was in eighth grade. I got on my BMX bike. Now, back then, we only had one pair of shoes, right? We'd, I was organizing our closet last night. I'm like, man, I got a lot of shoes, you know? And, and I remember we, we only had one pair of Nikes back then. And uh, whenever you needed a new pair of shoes is when the old pair of shoes... Your toes were coming through, amen? I know I sound like I was born in 1920, but yeah, this is just, this is just late 80s. And so most people only had one pair of shoes. And so I was a little worried because I get my Nikes on, and uh, I'm going to go down and work at a, in, a, in a horse, you know, uh, barn or whatever, and horse stall. And so I remember looking at my Nikes, and I hope to keep clean. I'm like, you know, just biking down to the, to the ranch and get the porch, get the pick fork, pick, pitch fork. I almost 
said something I shouldn't have. Amen. Anyways, pitchfork, and you would, you would go into the hay, and you would get out the, the horse stuff, and you'd scoop it and kind of shake it. It really wasn't difficult, and so I felt like I got pretty good at it, you know, and then you see someone new start, and they're like, oh, I really haven't gotten better at all. I'm just doing what's required. It's just easy. It's just easy, but I, I, I kind of remember I was thinking about this. I remember scooping up some horse pee, and, and it would clump, and don't worry, we'll get to the word, but I was, I was shaking off the hay, and I just remember like this like really strong like ammonia, like bomb though, just have you ever been hit in the nose with a smell? That's like, you know, youth conference, like, especially like junior high camp. You walk into junior high camp, it's like 100 teenagers. You walk in to preach, like, whoa, whoa, all right. Let's pass around deodorant and breath mints, then we can have church, amen? Anyways, it hit me. I just remember that smell. I remember these two horses one day got in a fight. I don't know if that hap- if that's real, but... They looked like they were running around each other, and they broke through the fence on each other. Anyways, I just remember that. I was like, it was traumatic. It was traumatic. And, um, but I think I've, I thought the paint story and the, and the, and the horse story, I, th- I think I got the jobs at the same time. The, the horse story was a little earlier, but I was working two jobs, again, because um, I needed money. And my parents didn't have any money and give me money. So I, I remember working at the paint store, and, and I remember one day uh, my boss, John, said, hey, do you know how to drive? I was like 14. Can you pick up the garbage in the back? I got my little Datsun truck out front. Do you know how to drive stick? And I was like, it's absolutely. <laughs> Lying has got me far in life, amen? <laughs> so I, I said, yeah, of, of course I can do that, right? I'm like, yeah. And I had never driven anything, let alone a stick shift. So I remember getting his little Datsun truck, his little old little Datsun trucks, and uh, I'd start it, and it didn't start. I'm like, okay, i got to figure this out. And I did. I just figured it out, you know. That's why I think some of us old dogs train that way. We're like, you know, all these driver training things and stuff. I'm like, I'll just go figure it out. You just go get in a few wrecks, you'll be all right, you know. But I, I remember this Bob Dylan tape. He had this Bob Dylan tape in there. And so uh, Bob Dylan comes on. I didn't know it was Bob Dylan. I was like, hmm, who's this guy, you know. And I heard a whole lot of Bob Dylan that, that summer. But I figured out how to drive the stick shift. Took me about an hour. And uh, kind of, you know, as you do, just kind of start and stop your way into the back and picked up the garbage. And I was scared out of my mind. And if you've ever been there and teaching yourself how to drive, you're like, do I go admit that I, that I lied? I don't know how to drive. <laughs> I don't know how to drive. He's like, hey, what took so long? I'm like, you know, it just took a while. Just took, just, just took a while. But I remember one Saturday, we're scraping up tiles. He was like, hey, I'll give you 50 bucks to scrape up these tiles. And I was like, no problem. I know how to do that. And he knew what he was doing. Um, not paying me by the hour because it took me like three days. If you've ever scraped up an old commercial building's tiles, they're glued down, right? They're just like... I just was, was hating my life that day. And I, I, I just remember my friends, you know, texting me. No, they didn't because we didn't have cell phones. Okay. I just remember finding out my, my friends were by the swimming pool or going somewhere fun sometimes, and I'm working. I, I'm thinking back in my first job, like sometimes I felt poor. I felt, I felt like I was, you know, the kid that didn't get any breaks. Or I was the kid that had to you know, do more than usual. I, I, I had to make myself a little bit. And I'm looking back at my first jobs having a pity party. I'm feeling a little bit like, woe is me. And so I'm trying to figure out David, because it's not like David's first job was awesome. David's first job was he was a shepherd. He was a shepherd in the family business, and it didn't pay off, and no one really liked him. And yet, and yet, and yet David is looking back as an old king Looking back on his, his childhood occupation with, 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 with memories of fondness and wonder and thankfulness. He's looking back. And I know we're not supposed to look back because Philippians 3.13 says, forget those things and reach. And Paul's talking about forget those things. Don't look at me as though I have attained. But Paul is talking about you cannot look at your Christianity as something that you are attaining to. Paul's like, I have not attained. But one thing I do is forget the former things, including things that I've done, including things done to me, but I reach, 
I reach for the call. I reach for what has apprehended me in relationship with Jesus and what he's calling me to do. And so he's teaching us these two concepts are not in conflict. But what we do is we look back and we remember the pain and the horses and the, and the, and the lack of pay and the way people treated us and being jealous and being covetousness and feeling what was me. And David's saying, I'm looking back and I see the hand of God. I look back at my childhood. I look back at the trial. I look back at the abuse, and I see God. And now Israel, remember, Israel kept forgetting what God had done. And so, but then when they remembered, they remembered Egypt. They remembered their past. And they, they if you've ever done, you know, one of those look backs, like we're doing right now, and if you have the wrong look back, you'll remember things that weren't that good as really good. You'll look back at the provision of sin as really good. And you'll start to miss the things that really weren't as good as your memory tells you. And so as we learn to forget, we forget those things done to us. We start to see God. You're supposed to look back and see God. You're supposed to look back and go, whoa, wow. Oh, Bethlehem. Oh, when I was a shepherd boy. Oh, those, those still waters. You mean those still waters, David? You mean those, those still waters? You mean those green pastures in Bethlehem where you weren't invited to the, to the ceremony? You mean though, that, that's what he's remembering. He's remembering his childhood, his childhood pasture where he was 13, 14, 15 years old and he would sleep under the stars and he would, he would watch the sheep and he would tend the sheep and he took care of the sheep. And, and even when all those, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in, in green pastures. Oh, I remember that night when I looked down and I saw, the, I, saw the, I saw the big fire and I saw the family all dressed up and it looked like something big was happening because all kind of fanfare and it looked special. And I remember that night where I, I obviously wasn't invited, but a few hours later, someone came and got me and said, the prophet is in town and, and no one else uh, really has been chosen by God. Aren't you just, don't you just love being chosen by God when everyone else has been rejected you're like the last one standing you're like hey I pick you you're like well there's no one else to pick right when they're picking teams David's like the last one to be picked and David shows up dirty and smelly he's not consecrated it doesn't make any sense he wore pajamas to a wedding basically so he feels stupid everyone's dressed up he's not dressed up he stands out he's got dirt on him he's got sheep stuff on him and yet the oil the horn of oil gets poured on him because it represents the anointing that would bring Jesus Christ into this planet and it would change the course and trajectory of things oh those green pastures where I was rejected and not invited and not believed in where my dad didn't believe in me my brothers didn't believe me oh those quiet waters and green pastures where my brothers would torment me and they put vinegar in my food and I'd show up places and they'd say why are you here they would judge me and look down on me and ostracize me and the disgrace function but David's looking back at those quiet waters even when he remembers the lion and the bear he doesn't say God why'd you do that to me why'd you almost kill me in my youth he looks back and he sees the hand of God by those green pastures he sees the hand of God in the lion and the bear he's looking back and he's saying God I see your hand I see your face I see your word oh though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death he's not remembering Saul and Saul trying to kill him, his second job, his first job was shepherding. His second job was playing music for the king who had demons. I know your pastor might have done some things to you, but I don't think they chucked a spear at you. Maybe they did. Saul's got so many demons. David's playing music. He doesn't remember what he did for Saul or what he did for Israel or what he did for his family. He killed Goliath and they didn't have to pay any taxes for the rest of their life. David's not looking back, writing a poem about how awesome he is. He's looking back in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, of crime and sorrow and abuse. And he's saying, God, you were there by those still waters and those green pastures am I preaching anybody I mean how do you look back and see that amongst that 
I mean, I'm definitely someone who is a faith person. Consider myself a positive Pollyanna. <laughs> Self-confessed. But how do you look back without balance, without nuance, not one recollection of doubt or, well, things could have gone a little bit different. Like if my brothers just would have believed in me, we could have done so much more. <laughs> if, 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 you know, why? Why did this? That was tough. It was crazy. And as emotional as David was and as, as, as honest as David was, he's looking back at probably one of the darkest days as his son betrays him. <sighs> and he looks back. He looks back. He looks back. He looks back from the, from the moment of the anointing. He's 14 years old. And Samuel anoints him with oil. All of the prophetic power, the impartation in that moment. Samuel was, was awesome. He imparts that to David. And yet, it's only potential. From the prophetic moment of promise and potential... And now he's after the, after the possession of family, forgiveness, Goliath, from the pasture to the palace to, to the mighty men that he raised up an army. He raised up an army. He delivered Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. He is the nation's hero. They would sing. Saul has killed his thousands, but David, his ten thousands. After all of this, he's traversing, though. The memories of his life. And he is saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. You can almost hear the enemy. Yeah, but that, the bear was easy, but the lion almost got you. And I think even some of us would make that case. Be like, David, come on. I mean, that bear was, but the lion, they, I mean, that was too much. And Saul throwing spears at you, that's unfair. That's unfair. Your father never said sorry about not inviting you. That's not fair. He's traversing all of these, of these moments. And he's saying, he's saying, they yo, yo, though I walk through the valley. <laughs> so you've been anointing in here. <laughs> or an 80s anointing. <laughs> Gen X, yay. Though I walk through the valley. Sorry, I'm hearing Snoop Dogg or whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll walk the valley. So I, I, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they, they, they comfort me. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all. All. All? All? All, David? David, what about, what about the cave where your men said, kill Saul? What if all of your advisors were saying one thing? Sell the stock. You're like, no. <laughs> what if everybody's like, don't buy a house? You're like, Rrr. don't start a business. All the advice is kill him. This is your time. I bet you he had some praying men that he trusted that were like, this, this. I just saw a dream, and I saw you killing Saul in a cave. Do it now. God has delivered you. He's going to the bathroom in the cave. That's what's happening. He is, he is, he is vulnerable. Kill him, David. Kill him. David sneaks back there because he was a ninja. David was a bad dude. <laughs> it breaks. I don't know what his Enneagram is. That's why that doesn't make any sense. I mean, he could worship us under the, I mean, and he could. He shed so much blood that God said, son, I love you, but I can't have you build my house. <laughs> David sneaks up on Saul, cuts off a corner of his robe. And Saul goes down with his army. David and his men come up on the top of the cave and say, Father, God, God you, you were delivered into my hands, but I cannot touch, I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. And the Bible says he was cut to the heart because David was a God man. His heart was for God. Ziglag, all of the children, all of the kids kidnapped. The town burned. And his men talked about killing him. And David is at the end, at the end of his rope. 
Bible famously quotes that he strengthened himself in the Lord. But men wanted to kill him that he had laid out his life. The Bible says the mighty men were in debt. They were broken. They had no families. They had no homes. Not only did they become the greatest warriors in the nation's history, but David made them. He trained them. He poured into them. And those same men turned their back on him. And David has the audacity to declare the Lord is my shepherd all all every day of his life I wish I had a preacher that could preach this message I could write it but I can't preach it because I can't I can't understand because I'm so caught up in balance and understanding and, and, and western teaching and certain things that I cannot relate to a man who can discuss his life in such audacity about God that God would shepherd him in the middle of the crimes and the sorrows of his life and the current betrayal of his son and he is, he is writing and he is singing this the Lord is my shepherd I, I shall not he maketh me lie down in green pastures. From his childhood occupation to his current situation, he's obsessed with the awesomeness of God. Where he, he hints in other psalms of things. He'll write for a while. They're dogs, God. Why would you let the dogs attack me? Why would you let the lions get close to me? But he's currently in the presence of God day in and day out. It's, you cannot converse with the living God without having God come. And you'll see in every Psalms that starts out honest, real, whatever you want to call it, deep. Why? First of all, he's not walking around with the why. He's bringing it to God. But you'll see him turn. <laughs> but you, O oh Lord. But you, oh Lord, but you, oh God, awesome. you sustain me. You shut the mouths of the lions. You, you, you put out the snares, and those who, who, who build the snares will be themselves ensnared. But to you, oh God, will not be mocked. And he praises God, and he worships God. David brings us a revelation of God in Psalms 23. So much so that his whole proclamation is, no matter what, the Lord is my shepherd. He shepherds me. It's a word of close proximity. Faith cometh by hearing. I can hear you, Lord. He's my shepherd. I cannot move forward because I'm a sheep, and he's my shepherd. I am not a shepherd. I, I, I'm a sheep, and a sheep needs a shepherd. And he is my shepherd, the good shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me besides quiet waters. To look back at his childhood and say quiet waters. Green pastures. I shall not want. He makes a table. Oh, that table. Yeah, but David, what about the enemies? Oh, the table. <laughs> oh, the table. I will fear no evil. Yeah, but how much evil came against you? Even in the name of God, I will fear no evil. The revelation. Let's jump forward to a preview of our upcoming series. Let's throw up verse John, or the verse of John, John 14. This is Jesus. So Jesus is our shepherd. And I will pray the Father, and, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you. Oh, no, uh, the, the, uh, I think it's the other one. My little children, these things, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. So this advocate is Jesus. The Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So this word advocate is, is the word we're looking for. So Jesus is our first advocate. He, he's the one that, that is on our side, the sinner's side, right? The helper, the paraclete. So throw up John 14. So now Jesus is going, and now we get the Holy Spirit. I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. So these words are the same in the sense that the Holy Spirit is our, you've heard the Holy Spirit, the names of the Holy Spirit, which are really rooted in the word, the original word, paraclete, teacher, counselor, helper. It's a word that means 
side by side. He's with us side by side. He's helping us. So Jesus is coming alongside of us, helping us. And now the good shepherd, he's close. He's in proximity. We're in relationship. We're in relationship. We're current daily. We're day in and day out. And now the Holy Spirit comes as our paraclete to help us side by side. So, so when the Holy Spirit comes and says, all right, let's forgive your dad, we view counsel oftentimes as, God, tell me what to do. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us, and the Holy Spirit says, it's time to forgive your dad. It's time to forgive that church. It, it's time to, to let go of that. It's time to believe. It's time to be generous. It's time to open up your heart. It's time to believe. It's, it's time to move forward. It's time. It's time. He isn't just giving advice or counsel. He's saying, let's together, side by side, go forgive your dad. Let, let's, I'm going to not just give you guidance. I am your guide. The Holy Spirit is a counselor in the sense that, yes, he gives you word. He gives you help. But, but he is guiding you through your valley of shadow of death. Because when you go to forgive and you go to actually move in these things, it's quite difficult. And so it isn't just, Lord, I forgive my dad. That's why it doesn't work sometimes because it isn't just an act. It isn't just a something that we do. It's, 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 it's a moment of spiritual, soul, even physical work where you're saying, God, I am... Um, I go to forgive my dad. And the paraclete, the helper, the, the, again, the good shepherd, the Holy Spirit now is right by you and is going to lead you through the reality of what that means to leave the things behind you and actually start to see, wow, God did form me in my mother's womb. And that's the only reason that David could even look back and he could see that the Holy Spirit was actually with him in all of the dark trials of his family and, his, and, the, and the trauma of his brothers and, and Saul trying to kill him. And, and so he had a, a revelation of who was right next to him, bigger than what was around him, so he could declare, the, 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 the Lord is my shepherd. He literally guided me and led me so close that he actually, in real time, helped me to forgive my brothers and continually deal with the lack and the emptiness of what that felt like and the soul and the trauma and the memories and the, and the nightmares and all of the reality of what it is to walk through what he walked through. He had a shepherd. He had a paraclete helping and pouring and washing and counseling real time and renewing. And so every time he was moving through something, he was being guided minute by minute. That's why when we go to do something and give something and forgive, forgiveness is giving something to someone before they deserve it. It's before give. And so when you go to give, if something's in my hand and I give it, it's empty. We don't like emptiness. You know, blessed are the hungry, for they will be filled. No one wants to be hungry. I mean, I want to be hungry for about 10 minutes, but nothing more than that. We were stuck at Ikea on Saturday. Don't go to Ikea on Saturday. And we're like, well, just grab some Swedish meatballs. The problem was there was a line that was like. So I remember shopping at Ikea. Hungry. It was hard. <laughs> Blessed are the hungry. I don't want to be hungry. I don't want to be empty. But what happens, the only way to get more is to give what you have. Young people, give what you have. You're going to see a youth revival if you can give what you have. Don't get caught up in getting more just for the group. You got to give away. Some of you, God is getting ready for you to give away what you have. But you don't want to give what you have because that feeling of emptiness that you had in previous years, you don't want to feel again. So you store up. So you're like, mama didn't raise no dummy. I don't ever want to be in that position again. And God said, I'm not asking to be in that position again. I'm asking you to have faith and believe that what I gave you, I gave you. You didn't get it. And in order to get more, you got to give it. I need you to make room. Make some room. So after Sunday service, you know the hardest times? Guys, be honest. One of the hardest times is like 3 o'clock at home. And it isn't just because my football team's losing or whatever. It, it, it's because I gave. Every Sunday, I'd give everything I have. 
That's not me patting myself on the back. I'm saying I'm, I'm not someone that's just trying to have a church. I'm, I, God has called me to build a church as a beacon, as a light for the city. We want to reach the city. And so I go home. I, uh, I'll be playing this message back in my, in my mind. And uh, be a few things I'll be embarrassed about. A few things I'm like, well, that was silly. And then I'll see a picture of myself. And, and, uh, <laughs> that's about what it'll look like. <laughs> and I'll look, I'll, look, I'll look like two foot three. <laughs> and then I go hug Dustin. And it looks like, who's that? Who's that little kid hugging, hugging that man? Then insecurities will come up and play. And then old demons in the past will come and join the party. That's why you need your advocate. Because I've gone from like 24 hours of depression. Just being honest, if you've ever given something away, you'll feel empty. If you have a talk with your spouse or a friend... And you advocate for them. Hey, I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. You will feel kind of naked. You'll feel kind of dumb. And if they don't respond well, like, well, it's a bad time. Can't believe they said that. You need the Holy Spirit. You need your advocate to guide you through. God, you've called me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I forgive that, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Now see that person. And I've gone from 24 hours to five seconds. No, about, a, about an hour. <laughs> about an hour. And I love what I do again. And I love the church again. And love my kids again. And, but the enemy will sneak in there at your vulnerable place when you give. Something will attack your soul. So David is saying, I kept giving. I kept walking. I kept being guided by the Holy Spirit, my good shepherd, my paraclete. And what happened was, now all I can see is what he gave back to me. I offered Israel my life. I offered my dad forgiveness. I offered my brother's friendship and loyalty. I offered a king who betrayed me love. I offered God my entire heart. I forgave Michael, my wife, who despised me on the greatest day of my honor. I forgave and I loved. And all I can say is God gave me so much more that now all I can see is what he gave me and not what I gave away. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Worship team, come on up. And when you learn to give, you can actually learn to be like Jesus, which is really what you want. Because you don't have to pretend. And less pretension and less pretending is really what you want because it takes so much energy to be a fraud. It takes so much energy to be a copycat. Don't, don't be me. Definitely probably don't want to be me, but don't, you, don't be me. <laughs> be who God's called you to be. When you walk in that, you will sense the identity of, of Christ in your life. So a series on the Holy Spirit because he's our paraclete. We've gone from shepherd to Holy Spirit. And Jesus basically said, so I was your advocate, I was your helper. And now I give you one who will come on the inside of you. And not just give you guidance, but guide you. <laughs> I remember I went to go buy a car one time. I literally had the Holy Spirit like stop me in my tracks. You know what I did? I pushed through it. <laughs> Worst car deal of my life. You have free choice. But he's right, by, right next to you. He just put a little hand sometimes. I don't always know. But I'm walking with him more being led by the Holy Spirit more. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I, I shall not want. He maketh me 
lie down in green pastures. Now, I wish that that was the green pastures that we're talking about. Sometimes maybe that's Bible college or that's a season of your life. But this is not ancient Bethlehem or even current Bethlehem. It's a desert. So when David is writing this, he's remembering the pastures of, of his youth, and they're a lot more, well, they're very rocky. It's stones and deserts and maybe little patches of, of grass, but typically because if sheep live in that spot, if there's any large patch, it's gone. And so a shepherd would lead their sheep along the hillsides there in, in Bethlehem and in Galilee and it, it, the dew is in the dew is it rests in the valley and the and the dew will moist bring some moisture and in between the rocks there'll be like a little crevice and a little seed and the and the water will, will will get in there and just a little sprout. There's one little sprout, two or three or four. And there'll be a little patch of sprouts. The sheep can't see it. So the sheep have to follow the shepherd. But the shepherd has a knowing where the next green pasture is. A green pasture is only, only enough for one day. So the shepherd leads the sheep. And the sheep just see rocks and gravel and desert and dryness. But the shepherd knows where the green pasture is. And the sheep can eat, but it's just enough for the day. And then the next day, they are dependent upon the shepherd to lead them to the next green pasture. And so our Lord picks this up from Psalms 23 in Luke 11 and says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day. Because his presence and his word is, is needed day by day. I can't take it into tomorrow, remember? Manna, he is my manna, he is my bread. He is my green pasture. And so we think sometimes, well, hold on, I've been chewing on a scripture, though, for my whole life. I, I've been chewing on Philippians 3.13. I've been chewing on John 3.16. I've been chewing on... And yes, that's a revelation of the bread. That's a revelation of the oil and the water and, and the word of God that sustains and renews our mind. It gives strength. It divides soul and spirit. But green pastures, technically speaking, is the presence of the word become flesh in real time. His presence is green pastures that I need daily by day by day. Give me your daily bread. Give me your presence. Give me your word. Give me your grace. Give me grace. Give me your... I need the life and the relationship that comes through the presence of God walking side by side with me through every trial and every trauma and every, and every valley and every lion and every bear and every betrayal. His presence, the green pasture, I need every day and without it all I see is what's happened to me this is what David is saying is I need the green pastures of his presence you know I want to mix it up for that can we do worthy this service let's do worthy and and bring it we'll start it out low and then just lose your mind okay glad we had that chat it's good He makes me lie. Okay. So this is prophetic of what Jesus would do. Jesus is bringing you to himself. He's the one that does it. <laughs> He's not, David didn't say, I found myself some green pasture. David's saying, prophetically, a thousand years before Christ, he is the one. David is serving an old covenant, same God, old covenant of things that you're supposed to do and you're supposed to happen. Now David is proclaiming, he is the one that draws me and brings me. He is the one that makes me lie down a New Testament position of rest only in faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. David is saying, it is God who brings 
brings you. It is God who draws you. It is God who makes and provides, bringing you to himself. He is bringing you to himself. Stand with me this morning and let's receive his presence. Let's receive some green pasture. All you might see is rock and desert and dryness. But the shepherd saying, I got you, I got you. I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. All I need you to be is a sheep. Let me shepherd you. Let me shepherd you. Let me shepherd you. Let me shepherd you. He's, he's bringing you to himself. He's bringing you to himself. Just a few more moments, church. I just want you to receive the green pasture of his presence. The green, the, the green, the, the life-giving, the, the sustaining work of his presence. You're going to never be the same again from the front to the back, from side to side. He's, he's drawing you to himself. He's drawing you to himself. He's drawing you to himself. We'll go ahead and sing this this morning. Just let him draw you. Let him just draw you. It's all right. Let him just draw you. Wherever your mind is, let him draw you. Wherever your emotions are, let him draw you. Just take this moment. Shepherd me, Lord. Shepherd me, Lord. Shepherd me, God. Let him lead you. Let him lead you. Let him lead you. He's drawing you to himself this year. He's saying, I got it. I got it. I got it. I want to wash you in my presence. I want to empower you in my presence. I'm going to fill you in your dry spot, in, in the area of loss, in the area of sickness. I'm going to sustain you in the area of lack. I'm going to be, I'm going to be your provision. All you need is my presence. I'm drawing you into my presence. I'm bringing you into glory. I'm, I'm Let it hit you. 
For those of you that just need the Holy Spirit right now, just receive the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but receive, but be filled. That word is a current, it's a, it's a continual state. Continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, just fill us. Oh, fill us. Fill us. Fill us. We need you. We need you. I need green pasture. I need your presence right here, right now, right here. Just take it. Maybe you're not believing. All you got to do right now is say, Jesus, I believe in you. Take my life. I give you my life. I believe you went to the cross and died for me to save me because I'm a sinner. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. Give him your life. And as you are giving him your life, he wants to give you the Holy Spirit. I love the Bible because so many Christians were like, I didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. And the early believers were like, well, there is. We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a doctrine. It's a person. Holy Spirit, fill us. And the number one job of the Holy Spirit is to remind you of Jesus and to remind you of who you are in Christ. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to start to sense forgiveness and guilt being washed away. Past trauma and words and fear being broken right now fear being broken right now we're going to get out of here but just one last come on receive this right now Holy Spirit break fear right now what is it what are you afraid of tomorrow people the unknown conversations future what is it the Holy Spirit's breaking fear right now breaking fear right now breaking fear right now in Jesus name in Jesus name I just see stomach, some kind of stomach issue right now. Power of God hitting that right now. I see a neck just to, whew, Jesus, right now, break that thing. Take that weight off right now in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. We got to get out of here. I love you so much. We're going to continue praying up front. If you want some prayer, come on up here. We'd love to pray with you. Have an awesome day. Have an amazing week. See you next Sunday. Bring someone with you. Trust me, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.